When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Volley. As always, you know you can't really call it an emergency podcast when this is just scheduled programming right now. It just so happens to break on recording day, so this is just a normal episode slash what would have normally been an emergency podcast because the Avs made a trade a couple hours ago, out of the blue in the middle of a Friday night. Thomas Tatar is no longer a member of the Colorado Avalanche. He has been sent to the Seattle Kraken for a 2024 fifth-round pick. As of right now, there is no corresponding move. So at this point, it's just to tar out the door, draft pick in, and that's it. Yeah, it's um, for the first time in probably this show's history, news broke on a recording day. Yeah. But it's crazy to think about that news actually broke on a recording day. So I'll take that as a dub for us. And yeah, this move was shocking. Well, I don't know if shocking is the right word because we had kind of alluded to it that maybe this happens closer to the trade deadline. I don't think anyone in Avs Nation was expecting December 15th to be the day he gets traded. No, not at all. I am. I'm not surprised it happened. I'm surprised it happened now. Because there wasn't a rush to trade Tatar. And that's what I've been alluding to over the last couple of weeks when he's struggling and going in and out of the lineup. Is that you could kind of see the writing was on the wall with his future in Colorado. That they didn't trust him and that didn't really fit in the system all that well. But there also wasn't a rush to do it because I doubted teams were going to be willing to give you a very decent package for him. Probably yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you some future considerations for that Uh 2028 seventh round pick or yeah anything like that it kind of seems like seattle stepped up to the plate and gave a fair offer i mean 20 that this year fifth for what we've gotten out of tatar i mean no i'll take it it kind of seems to me like someone stepped up with an offer the avs are not sure if they're going to get something like that in the future they don't know if tatar is even going to be any good in the future based on what you've seen and they took it it does seem like fair value for – I honestly think the Kraken probably overpaid a little bit for it. I, I think the Avs did, did pretty well on this trade. A fifth-round pick obviously is nothing. If anything, that's just more of a, a trade thing that the Avs can use later. But if you would have told me the way Tatar's produced this year, we'd get a fifth-round pick for him, I would have told him you were fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, guy, the guy's been here for three months. We signed yeah. him right before training camp started. It didn't work, and now you're getting a draft pick out of it as well. Even, even if you don't trade that draft pick, now you just have it. Right. Right. Okay, cool. 
it, it still is just throwing me off because there should be another move coming. But the Avs did this so early that they can take their time deciding on this other move, wait for the market to play out. The big thing they they did is we ended up getting about now $4.8 million in cap space to use for the rest of the year. That's not a little amount. That's a very large amount that most teams, competitive teams, aren't going to have that much money to take on players. Right. I mean, that, that's not an insignificant amount of money right now. Because right now you have three guys on long-term injury reserve. Obviously, Gabe Landeskog, obviously, Pablo Francois, guys who are not going to be back in the regular season. Right now, Arturi Lekkonen is also on long-term injury reserve. That's probably going to eat up most of that space at the moment, I imagine, once he comes back. I'm not entirely... LTIR is a very confusing thing sometimes. It's like, once he comes back, are we going to be down to 300,000 in cap space, and all of a sudden, this doesn't do anything anymore? Oh, I was kind of hoping you would tell me that we were at like 8 million, and you had already factored in the the four million dollars that Lecknam was gonna get when he comes back. See my my it's a little late right now. I was at a holiday party today. <laughs> and you know it's, I've been out of the house for 12 hours. Now my brain is slowly trying to work its way back in. Are we at eight million in cap space? Because Cap Friendly says deadline cap space is four point eight two five. Are they also factoring in Lekkonen's gonna come back before that? Ah see I don't know man. Okay. That uh, let's just play positive and we could old takes expose ourselves here, but let's pretend that we're going to, dude, there's no way <laughs> we're probably going to be like, maybe like $600,000. Actually, we got our hopes up. I don't think for anything. Yeah. I, you know, I, let's just go with that. Let's yeah, just, let, let's, let, just, let's just, let's just pretend we don't, we, we do get that $4 million in cap space when we get to the trade deadline. Um, they could add a really good player. A really, really good player, and cap space in this league is one of the most important things. We've seen it with how these championship teams are built. Every team is like maybe a penny below the salary cap, or in some cases, they're well over it. So I I hope we get that $4 million. That'd be really cool. But the way the math is mathing right now, and you're the smart one on the show, so if your brain's not working, then we're really fucked. That um, is... Sure. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's pretend. I, you're the smart one, so I don't know, man. If, if we do have that money, that is a very, very big, big amount of money to spend, and you have your first-round picks for the next three years. The Avs could be major players at the trade deadline. Now, I'm going to say something here. Okay. Let's say the Avalanche, they have 4.825 in cap space at the deadline. Elias Lindholm. And his Makes cap a lot of sense, Griffin. Is 4.85. Year twenty five thousand hundred thousand. Oh my god, this is bad. Twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> away from being able to fit that. I am so sorry. My brain is right at the moment, but it's you all are right. so close to being able to afford Elias Lindholm. You've got assets. I am unfortunately getting this in my head now that this is a possibility, and I hate it and I love it because I want Elias Lindholm on this team. I've been saying it for years. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but you got to indulge me on this. You're getting way ahead of yourself. Um, it's just, if we could get that, that would be so cool. I just don't, I just don't know if that money's going to actually carry over because I'm looking at cap friendly too. And 
Lecky makes 4.5. So if we have – yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, man. No, I I think I'm confusing myself because we have $8 million on LTIR. You know what? I'm going to stop doing this because this is just bad radio, so we're going to move on and not talk about this. Yeah, yeah. This is just- my, my brain can't handle that, the, yeah. the math that we're forcing ourselves to do. But regardless, this trade for Thomas Tatar – I think it's good for Tatar too. Going to the Kraken, we talked about it a little bit off air. The Kraken have an insane amount of injuries right now to some very good players. Berkey's out, Grubauer's out, Schwartz is out. I want to say Tanif got hurt again. I, I think he did he like again. pretty shortly after that. I know Jaden Schwartz is on LTIR. Berkey's out. Grubauer is also out, like you were saying. I think Tanif's back, actually. Is he but- back? I could have sworn he got hurt again. But regardless, the Kraken are banged up, and you said off-air that they do still want to make the playoffs. Go get a guy who has proven he can still play at the NHL level. He may not be able to produce, but maybe a change of scenery for him, change of system, maybe that'll be better for him. More ice time. Yeah, I mean, Tatar, let's be honest, he's not going to be a guy that takes a team like the Kraken who really struggled this year and single-handedly pushed them back into the playoff conversation, but they're trying to do what they can right, right now. Where there's a team coming into the season that had legitimate playoff aspirations, a team that was obviously in the playoffs last year and are missing a lot of their forward depth that carried them through a lot of last season. I don't know if Tatar is a great fit in their system, as we saw. The guy's just not very fast. The Kraken, much like the Avalanche, do rely on playing fast, but he's going to get an increased role. He's probably going to get a lot more power play time in Seattle than he did here. It's a good fit for him right now, at least. I don't know if it's system-wise a great fit, but in terms of roster space, he's probably going to play pretty high up there. And he's probably going to play a, score a lot more than he did. He already got the monkey off his back a couple of games ago and scored the one, so he's not going into Seattle completely cold. You know, you know what the good thing about this is? We don't have to deal with this. We played Seattle three times unless there's somehow – a situation where we play them in the playoffs again, which I, I don't see happening this season. We don't have to deal with the Tatar revenge game where he scores the hat trick because you you know that would have been coming. This is a 5,000 IQ play by the Avs to yes. just completely make him not our problem. He's going. You, you, like you said, his first game, I would not be surprised if he scores three goals. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. What he did in Colorado is not what Thomas Tatar does. He is a good NHL player that scored 20 goals last year i still think he's gonna finish the season with probably 12 to 15 goals do you think 12 to 15 still yeah i still think that okay i mean i don't i don't hate it It, it's just like you said the fit is going to be interesting in um in seattle but i don't know like his defense is he's slow it just goes back to the point like why are we not getting rid of ryan johansson too but that, that that one's just much harder. Tatar, one and a half, one year. Johansson, four million, another year after this. Then you're talking, you're probably giving up more. It's it's a much more difficult conversation. And Johansson has scored and has, right. does at least have goals on the board and points on the board. He has his shortcomings. You would have time to find a way around that at the moment. Right. With Tatar, I, I really think this might have just came down to A team is giving you an offer that is fair that you have not gotten from anyone else who's just trying to steal a player from you for free. And you take advantage of it. You 
put someone up in the top six at the moment, whether that's LOC, Kiviranta, Ben Myers, or anyone in the bottom six right now, and you you give them a go. You see what they can do. They're going to address this. They are yes. not going to leave this astronomical hole in the top six right. unaddressed. I have full faith that by the time the trade deadline passes, they're going to do something. They're going to do something. And I did do the armchair GM and put Lecky not on LTIR. We, we have about close to a million dollars. Okay. And if I think it's you, like what, an, you, another you I was the smart one. That's a much more. Yeah. I went ahead and I, I was doing that. Yeah. If, if you do, I think it's like a couple more weeks and then you can move Gerard to LTIR or to that other thing where his salary doesn't count. I think that would, add, does that add 5 million to it? I don't know if Gerard in this situation counts. You think it would because it's a long-term, so. I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I think player assistance stuff does count against the cap still. Okay. I'm, I'm a bit hazy on that. I could be wrong. Let's not dive down a rabbit hole. We solved the first problem. Let's yeah. not put ourselves in another hole. Um, but regardless, I do like the move for the abs getting off of Tatar. You're right, though. It does leave a big hole in this top six without Lekin yeah. and Man. And I don't know which player you put up there. I mean, Ben Myers has been okay. Uh, and, and okay. Okay is probably a little bit. He's been good for what we expected Ben Myers. Played two Myers, games. Yeah. You all keep Iranta has been sick, but I've liked what he's done on the fourth line. It's not that Tatar was scoring a lot, but at least he was a threat out there to score. Yeah. I don't know if Kiviranta and Ben Myers are even a threat out there when they want to score. I mean, Kiviranta, he's put himself in some good positions so far this season. And again, in the top six role, I'm not expecting anything crazy out of him. It's probably going to be Logan O'Connor played on the top line this season. And with Drew Ann and Johansson's going to bring a little bit of edge to that line. It's not perfect, yeah, but like just, let, let let's be honest with ourselves here. Wooden Colton's a second line, like correct. That, that's that's what I'm second. saying. That's why I don't know if you move O'Connor. Right, but yeah, and then you could put Kiwi Ranta up there or Myers. I, I just don't. I don't like Cogliano playing on that line. It just doesn't really seem. No, I think you keep but, Cogliano down where he's at, and I think yeah. with what Kiwi Ranta does for penalty killing, I think they keep him on the fourth line just so they can. Keep him fresh for the penalty kill. I do think it's going to be Ben Myers up there. Yeah. Tomorrow. I mean, once Lekkanen comes back, which I still think we are a pretty healthy way away from. Minimum uh, a month away, I think. Minim- minimum a month. If everything yeah. goes perfectly a month. And that's pretty unrealistic still. Once you put Lekkanen back in there, whether on the top line or on the second line, your top six looks a lot better. You it still does. like you you still have your dominant top line, McKinnon, Ranton, and Chushkin, and then you're probably probably moving Druan over to the right wing and putting Lekkinen back in his spot on the left wing, or moving Val back down and putting Lekkinen up. You have more options here. You have options. And then your holes kind of what are you doing with Ryan Johansson right. at that point? Once Lekkinen comes back, hopefully your top six problems feel a little better now that Druan's proved himself a little more. But I mean, the way he's been playing, you do feel better about it. Yeah. As it stands right now, you're not feeling great. You're not feeling great. I, I, it's just tough, man, with the cap. I just don't know what they're going to be able to do to move some stuff in. So I think Ben Myers is going to be the short term band aid for it right now. And maybe Riley Tufty gets another shot, maybe. But 
I think Myers and Kibiranta have been better call-ups so far. I think I think they just liked what they've seen from those guys more than what they've gotten from Tatar, where you can play a Riley Tufty in the fourth line. You have played him on the second line when you've called him up this season. They're probably going to end up rotating a lot of these guys and just seeing yes. if one of them can get hot for a little while. None of them are long-term solutions. We know that. I am very confident that Bednar and McFarland and Sackick understand that, that the, none of these guys are going to be long-term solutions on the second line. But I think they like those guys more just in the system. They felt like more of a fit. And Tatar was a last second addition that just was never able to carve out a role for himself on this team. It, it felt forced. Like we just kept trying to find a spot to throw him in. And he had this gold route that everyone's trying to break. And it was just, it was awkward. It was forced. It, it leaves you in a little bit of an undesirable position right now, but it's not like Tatar was like conquering worlds in right. six anyway. Like it doesn't really matter. They tried to do the Evan Rodriguez thing again. Right. Uh, oh, we'll bring a guy in last minute. It worked well with Erod last year. Let's try it with Tatar. Who's probably had more proven success than Evan Rodriguez, but Rodriguez was just a natural fit into the system with his play style. Tatar, did he play with Jack Hughes last year? Was he on the top line or was he playing with Palat and Heischer? I can't remember. I thought for that, but I thought with maybe the high level skill he'd play with that he'd be more conducive to playing with this team, but it, it just never really worked. And we had talked about it. He had looked better and like more engaged, but he was still only playing like 12 minutes a night. Yeah, like he was getting healthy scratch. Like right. there were times like he was averaging 10 to 11 minutes a night. I mean, Bednar didn't trust him. And there comes a certain point where if you're getting an offer, like a fifth round pick is, it's not a ton, but it's not an insignificant asset, especially when it comes closer to the deadline, especially when it's this year, that adds a lot more value to it as True. well. There comes a point where you say, yeah, that's going to serve us a lot more in the future than what Tom Sitar is going to bring us. Cause yeah, we're here in December right now. And okay, maybe this leaves us with a problem for now, but when you do get to the playoffs and you are in a seven-game series, if you don't trust that guy, he's useless to you. You're not going to do anything with him. And Thomas Tatar, the big problem with him once we signed him coming into the season is that he is terrible in the playoffs. Yeah. And if you can't trust him, then he shouldn't be here. It's that simple. You get the draft pick. You have time to figure out something else. Like I, I tweeted that this is probably the first of a corresponding move. I, I believe that a little less as I've thought about it over the last little bit. There's time to do things. Like yes, you always want the perfect lineup all the time. As long as it's perfect when it matters, that's all. <laughs> that's the important thing. If we have our lineup figured out on game one of the playoffs, that's all I care about. I can yeah. give two shits about the conversation right now. Honestly, right. it's fun to speculate, but. When we get to the playoffs, as long as that lineup's perfect and Bednar's figured out who he trusts, we'll be good. Yeah, man, I'm just envisioning the Colton line in the playoffs scoring, like having a game where they factor in on like all five goals. Dude, that that line in the playoffs wouldn't Colton alone, especially if they can find a way to bump LOC down to that third line or add someone else right through the trade deadline. That line is gonna have some teams in hell. If you yeah, can, if you can really solidify your second line make your top six super dangerous, and then you're throwing that line out there, that's gross. That's disgusting. How crazy. Like, we, we said it last episode, if Landy comes back for the playoffs. 
This team would be like, fucking it is, is, is irresponsible of us to get people's <laughs> hopes up for that. But come on. Uh, Western, again. Stanley Cup champs right there. Right. It, Western it, Conference Top nine final. is competing with Dallas right there. Um, imagine this team gets to the Western Conference final and Landis Cobb just comes back. <laughs> And then whatever trade deadline they get to, it's like Elias Lindholm, let's say, and then Landeskog's on the second line. Your second line is Nachushkin, Elias Lindholm, and Landeskog. Or you, or you just put Landeskog back with the big boys. Right. And second line's Lekkanen, Lindholm, Nachushkin. Oh. Ridiculous, still. That'd like, be so cool. It's not going to totally happen. Off. Yeah. It's not going to happen, but it'd be Totally really cool. off track. But it's, come on, we're having fun. Yeah, we're having fun. It's late at night. Um. But yeah, any other thoughts about the Tatar trade? Uh, it, it's it's weird to have a player get traded this quickly. I will yeah. say that. I mean, Thomas Tatar was here for what ninety four days. Yeah, that was is the exact amount of time. It's it's weird to say goodbye to a player so quickly. Usually, you see would, it go, and there's at least like a little bit of emotional attachment. Like I just I just never had that for Tatar. Yeah, I am very goal. glad he did score one goal, and I was able to tweet the Thomas Tatar video. Yeah. At least I'm, gl- I'm glad he got one. Yes. So he's not out of Colorado, never scoring a goal. He's got the one. It was important. He's in goal. the history books forever here. Yeah. He scored a goal as a member of the Avalanche. He's going to be a very interesting Puktoku answer one day. Yes. So good for Thomas Tatar. Frees up some cap space for the Avs. Lots of questions we have to answer going forward with Winnipeg on Saturday. But this was a move that we both thought needed to happen. Both surprised it happened this early, but it's for the best for sure. Yeah, it was inevitable regardless, you know. And I I wouldn't be surprised again if Tatar goes to Seattle and plays really well and scores a bunch of goals. And we're like, well, why didn't we we keep this guy? Well, I mean, that conversation is going to happen in a month when he has like six goals in seven games. You can't win with people sometimes. Tatar goes on this streak. He's not doing much of anything. And people are like, this guy needs to get traded. He sucks. And then he gets traded. And then people are like, why did you do that? Yep. It's, oh, that's good. I book it. Like we're recording this on December fifteenth at nine oh three p.m. Uh, in a month, this will be. I've like, already, I've already seen it. People are like, "Why did you?" Do-? The same people that were saying Tatar needed to be traded are saying, "Why did you just trade to you?" Then why did you ask for it? I'm just glad, like you said, we don't have to play him again this year unless it's in the playoffs. I'm actually really happy about that because you know for a fact he was scoring against us, having a huge night. We got Seattle out of the way already, and we gave them one of our problems. Have fun. There's no awkward tribute video where they just show six and <laughs> the one goal. Could you imagine scored. if we played Seattle like the next week and it's coming off the Eric Johnson tribute? You have an EJ tribute that we'll talk about. It's beautiful. People are crying and clapping and chanting his name. And you have Tatar back next to you. He's like, hey, hey, welcome back, bud. Missed welcome you. back, Thomas Tatar. Thanks for all you did for dude, those. Dude, you scored that one game. goal. Dude, that was fucking <laughs> sick. It's like Eric You're a Johnson. video guy. That, could you imagine the hell of putting a tribute video together for a guy who was with the team for three months? No, literally, you are speaking to – like, this is my department. That's what I'm I, saying. I do these things. That would be so funny. You have one goal to work with <laughs> and, like, probably five or six camera angles to work with. You're going on APM music and you're finding the generic trailer music and everything. Yeah. If that was me, I'd totally go over the top with it. And make it like super dramatic, slow-mo sound effects. I would make that goal seem like it won us the cup. It's yep. so beautiful. It's great. So, yeah, I mean, good for Thomas Tatar. That was fun while it lasted. 
but was it? I, I had fun. It, <laughs> it was, was fun. fun once. Yeah, it was fun. But I'm I'm glad that saga's over and that pushes a problem to something else we can complain about in a couple weeks. Um, but let's talk about the one game the Avs did play since we last recorded. It was against the Buffalo Sabres, the return of Eric Johnson. We should have known this game was going to be weird when in after the morning skate, you have Eric Johnson like can barely hold it together talking about how much he loved Colorado. You can't fucking do that to me, man, at 11 o'clock. Like, I, I still got like nine hours till game time. I'm going to be thinking about this all day, man. Right. Yeah. Ma- imagine me. I'm sitting there at work watching Eric Johnson basically burst into tears about how much he loves this city. Like, but- the game's not for nine more yeah. hours. Like, and I'm just supposed to be the same person that I was before I saw this and just act normal. Fuck you. What do you want from me? It it was, I was like, well, you can't do this to me. Like, this is just so like, you do grow emotionally attached to these players. Like Eric Johnson's been involved in my life for goddamn almost half of it. He's played on my, my favorite team. So you do become attached to these players and I don't know. I wasn't as sad when he left. I was more sad when I saw that video than when I actually saw that he left. Right. That bummed me out more. I mean, because when he left, he got four million bucks. How much did he get? I think it was like three something. Yes, three point two five million bucks. Like when we were talking about re-signing him for nine hundred thousand. Yeah. Like that really cushioned it because he went and got a bag. He won a cup. He did everything with us. And this is a guy who joined the avalanche when I think I was nine years old. Right. And finally left when I was 22. They become part of your life, especially in like my like main hockey life has been with Eric Johnson on the abs. Like the part that I vividly remember is Eric Johnson. Right. He's always been there. No matter what state of the avalanche it was, whether it was the the PDO Bender Patrick Waugh team or the really shitty team or winning a cup, right there, Eric the Johnson, Eric Johnson, always constant. Yeah, it was fucked up what they did, and then the Avs admin they knew what they were doing running that social media page. They give a video of him walking into the arena, looking and gives a hug to a ball arena employee. It's like oh fuck you guys. Like, and like, and in the in the media scrums, he's like, oh, what's up, Evan? Like, oh, yeah. what's like, what's up, Peter? Saying hi to all the old guys. They're saying on the broadcast, like, oh, he hasn't even moved. He slept in his bed before this game. <laughs> it's like you're just fucking with us mentally. Uh, you finally get to game time, which. I will say these nationally televised games, they suck, but I do appreciate the fact that we're finding out when the puck actually drops at like yeah. morning skate. It still like, should be listed like on the that. site and the app. It should be listed as that, but I do appreciate that Evan and Peter are getting the scoops for me at like noon. So yeah. I have the time to at least mentally prepare for you the can puck plan a quarter drop at 1030 at night. Uh, yeah. Cause I was, I was freaking out. Cause I was like halfway to the arena and I get the notification saying puck drop. And I'm like, there's no way. Like, I, I'm going to trust it. And we got the rise of puck dropped. Um, it was, I don't know. Like, these late games just suck. Like, it's just so weird getting out of the arena at 11 o'clock. I, I'm not even going to complain to you because you're the worst person to complain to about because you're an East Coast abs fan. So no no complaining. Hey, man, there, there's people that live in Europe that haven't. Yeah, that's true. Either. That's true. I, I was thought I was prepared for the tribute video. I thought I was. But there is something different about being in the arena for that and actually being in that moment that I will remember for a very long time because it is 
kind of a surreal thing. Like I, I, I got, I still get goosebumps watching him do the lap. Like I was in full on goosebumps. My sister was bawling her eyes out. Her friend sent us a video of her crying while she was watching it. Like it was, I know I was talking to you off air. I was like, Oh, I've seen the Berkey one. I've seen the groovy one. Like, it's really not going to be that big of a deal. Like, ah, and then I actually went and saw it and I was like, I'm really glad I was here for this. Yeah. I mean, that one, that I really think is one of, if not the best tribute I've seen. It really did everything you wanted to honor right. Johnson and everything that he did and encapsulating his full tenure here because I've seen a couple of them in Washington and with the abs over the years. I, I shed a few tears for Berkey when he came back to Washington for the first time as a member of the abs, but it also like didn't hurt that bad because he's also still right. Like, the abs is just not readily accessible to me anymore but the the ej one him doing the lap and everything and the they're oh we for, we just totally forgot about the landis gogs being there yeah, like, like he's giving a puck to, to, can't fucking do that to us man like wearing a bringing a sign that says wrong jersey uncle ej like fuck off guys like you're killing me right now Oh, it was so ridiculous. Like, they pulled no punches no. with any of this. They knocked it out of the park. Like, it, it still it still felt like he was here. Yeah. And it didn't help he played like shit. Oh, dude, it was exactly what we thought was going to happen on the episode where it's like, you play this video and you just fuck him up mentally. Because how can a human being go out there and perform at a high level after just getting showered with love for a full five minutes of just like all this stuff, all the emotion from the day, if he would have played well, I would have actually wanted him to be drug tested because you're not human. Right. Like you're, you're, you are on some sort of like mind altering medication right now. Cause you, you're not a human being. We were right. Ski was really bad. Yeah. He got fucked up emotionally, which I don't yeah. blame him. I would do the same thing. So yeah, that video was great. The full on, I think he got like almost a full two minutes of a standing ovation, which was oh, awesome. Yeah. Complete with the chanting. And like he's looking like he's trying not to cry. Everyone on the abs are tapping their sticks and everything. Like it was from top to bottom, 10 out of 10, everything you could have wanted. It was exactly like, like you said, it was it was perfect. They they nailed it out of the park. I still think they should have done it every period and made him do a wave. Like every period, that would have been. I think that would have I mean, added. I mean, I, I would have loved if he just like took it upon himself at the start of every period to just do like another lap. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I was waiting for him to do like, because I still vividly remember when I was a kid, like Ray Bork's first game back in Boston. I know it's a totally different story. Bork was there for like 20 years. One of the greatest players of all time. But after the game, he came out and did a lap. So we hung out for a second thinking EJ was going to do that. And he, which I, can't blame him like the sabers got their ass kicked in this game yeah they got beat up pretty bad (laughs) yeah it it was it was really cool i'm glad that moment's over and we don't have to deal with that again i still thank eric johnson for going to an eastern conference team we don't have to deal with that again until next year yeah but we'll deal with it next year when he's back true his first game back that'll be great i have not i have not ruled out that he is not going to finish the season on the team yeah, I haven't ruled that out either. I, I, I think there's a very strong possibility. There is a real possibility. Like the Sabers are not good. They're not making the playoffs. They've yeah. they've disappointed both of us immensely. And EJ, if they retain money, it's not impossible. Fifth round pick. Fifth <laughs> round pick. I mean, I don't could know. Use, could use it, but 
I, I did see the, did you see the rhetoric going online? The, I thought it was interesting. I think it was Robin on Av started that. Uh, what? For what? The, what? Oh, what? oh, sorry. You made a face. I was confused. Uh, is Eric Johnson's number going to be retired? I think we've had this conversation on the show before. I mean, my general stance is you should, number should be retired if you're a Hall of Famer, basically. Or like yeah. you did such a significant thing for this franchise and are also super close to being a Hall of Famer. Yes, I, I think we're on the same page here. I think Eric Johnson's an all-time great, but you look at it, probably the one the Abs have retired, like Ray Bork should be retired. I'm sorry. If, he, played, he played a year and a half here. Yeah. If Eric Johnson was the captain the whole time and was right. the guy that lifted the cup, I think there'd be a really strong argument for it. But for most of his tenure, it was Landis God that was right. the captain. Well, and, and, and think about it too. Think about it too. You look at all those guys who are retired. You have Foot, Hayduke, Forsberg, Sackick. Three of those players are Hall of Famers already. Right. Like, uh, Patrick was up there too, so make it four. And Milan Hayduk was a very good player for the Avs, and he also won a Rocket Richard trophy. Like, right. Eric Johnson sadly didn't win a Norris. He didn't do any of that stuff. I don't think his jersey is going to get retired because we were talking about Steve and I were at the game. They already have three players whose numbers are going to be retired anyway, McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr. Right. And like, you're so you're not going to be short on right. players to retire after this era. Right. And I, I love Eric Johnson. I don't think even he's going to make the argument that his jersey should be retired. And also, just because it's not being retired does not mean he's not appreciated. Right. Like you, you don't have to go to the super extreme to make sure that Eric Johnson knows how much this city and this organization loves him and appreciates everything that he did. You can see it in the tribute that they put together. Right. Eric Johnson's going to be involved with this organization for a long time. Probably. maybe. Oh, dude, he's going to make when he retires, if he does the TV personality for altitude, he would kick so much ass on that. Yeah. If he became like an analyst for it, he would be great. But yeah, I agree. I, I just don't think he did. He didn't win enough individual stuff to. Right, like he, he wasn't that. Player. He wasn't that kind of player who was in right. conventions for Norris's, or like was the guy that was the game changing player in the Cup run or anything like that. Like, and, that, and that's fine. It doesn't have oh, to be, and it doesn't need to be. His jersey is retired because we love him. You can love Eric Johnson and not retire his jersey. Yeah, it is pretty funny when you look at the Avs rafters and you're like, wow, the numbers they do have retired, these are like all-time great players that like right. you can't but talk that, about the history of the NHL. That's without. what it should be. Like right. that's really what it should be. If you if you make the Hall of Fame, even then there's some Hall of Famers like don't have their numbers retired by their teams. It's not yeah, that yeah. Funny, but even then, it's not a guarantee, even if you are in the Hall of Fame. Like, because that's the thing, like once a number's retired. You kind of st- like it's like the Habs. Like you kind of can't wear a number on that team anymore because yeah, they have so many retired numbers. Every you single number is retired. You kind of want to use that sparingly. You don't want right. to just go retiring jerseys willy nilly because at a certain point, like guys still need to play for your team and wear a jersey. Well, and it, I think if you ask most Habs fans, what player do you think of when you think of number six for the Colorado Avalanche? They're right. going to say Eric Johnson. Right. I want to say Bob Bugner wore it before him. I want to say that, but I don't know for sure. So. Yeah, it, it it he doesn't need to be retired to go up there. He is an all-time great for the Avs, but when you think about the players now, dude, that fucking Rafters is going to be sick when all these players retire. Dude, by the like, time I'm 50 years old, that thing is going to be chock full. Yeah, 
It's going to be crazy. And then you have the Nuggets players that are going to get retired, too. <laughs> we were talking about, if you go look at Ball Arena, you need to come back with all the banners up. Now, they're running out of room right. because they have all the Mammoth banners up, too. They're running out of room. It's crazy. <laughs> how many they're gonna, they're, the main argument for moving Ball Arena or moving the Avs and the Nuggets to a different part of Denver is going to be to have more Raptor space. Right. We're winning too much. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, but overall, we're, we're both on the same page. Should we actually talk about the game now that we got all the mushy stuff out of the way? I mean, yeah, it's been, what, 45 minutes? We yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been having a good time. Uh, we're having a good time. The, this Sabres time. game, I, I thought the abs were good. Yeah, I thought they, I mean, they dominated the game early. I don't think you need me to tell you that. They're up 3 nothing in the first period. They don't give up a shot for 18 minutes. It went in net. They didn't do it for 18 minutes. Dude, that and, was the most predictable goal of all time when the Sabres scored that. I, my eye, I think they rolled into the back of my head. I was like, you, you knew it was going to happen. Fucking kidding me. Yeah. I'm sorry. The second shot went in. His first <laughs> shot was stopped and the rebound got put in the net. Excuse me. But of course, it's late in the period. It's the first shot they've given up after a near perfect period. Of course, it goes in the net at that point but before that before we immediately harp on the one negative the abs were pretty much perfect for the first 18 minutes of oh. the first period and they go up three to nothing miko rantanen back beautiful back. around it like pekka lukanen like you should leave the game yeah. after that you don't have to stay in net for that they'll get someone else to stop bucks for you if you're getting embarrassed like that Get someone out. if miko scoring those type of goals is confidence back so i i think we're gonna see a nice little miko bender here uh bow gets another one he, he's ever since he become a dad he's just found new super strength and then i my favorite goal of the period was the miles wood one that, that was my favorite one just because i thought that was just great defense that led to a great offensive chance exactly also what helped EJ just gave us the buck yeah i mean sam malinsky it was was the star of yes. this game this was absolutely his emergence and proving that he belongs in the nhl makes a great play on a bad play from eric johnson who just seems like he never left. Just get, just gives us that puck on a silver platter. And Malinsky, just a beautiful play in the defensive zone to set up the transition the other way. And Miles Wood snipes it to make it three to nothing. I mean, that's exactly how the apps like to do things. And for Sam Malinsky, it's pretty hard to make a better case for you to stay on the team than to make a play like that. Because right. that's how Bednar and this coaching staff likes to run that defense. Making transition offense out of the defense in Malinsky did it perfectly among with other great things he did in this game that we'll talk about in a minute, but you're up three to nothing at that point. And miles Wood, there's one thing that man does. That man can fucking skate. Yes. And good for him. Ripping that shot. Top corner three, nothing past Lucan in and you're feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, and I, I really liked the way the abs played in that first period. I thought they were very, it felt like they were in an attack mode more than they were because it feels like in past games they're sitting back waiting for the opponent to make a mistake in this game they were causing the team to make mistakes they were causing the sabers to make the mistakes they were making them work and when the abs do that they're very hard to beat but you talk about in the first period as good as the first period went i thought the second period the sabers absolutely dominated us no we need to have this conversation about where do the abs go in the second period this has become a very noticeable trend this yes. season where the first period, I'd say it's like 70-30. The abs are pretty good. Sometimes they have some pretty shitty starts, especially at the beginning of the season. They didn't start very well. 
Second period is almost unilaterally dog shit, especially recently. They just disappear for 20 minutes at a time and then come out in the third period and just smoke teams. Yes, it makes zero sense. Like, look at the shot chart from this game. In the first period, the Avs outshot the Sabres 15 to 6. All six of those shots for the Sabres came in the final two minutes of the period. Right. I'm shocked we got to six. Shocked we got to six. In the second period, the Sabres at one point were out shooting the Avs like 15 to nothing. It was the opposite. They got the yeah. last six shots of the period. And then the first 15 shots of the second period, there got, there came a point where we were being outshot. Right. After, after we were up 15, 15 to nothing. To nothing in yes. shots. We were being outshot by nearly like five. It was crazy, dude. I, we, we were watching that and I'm like, what's going on here? Like, this is this is not how this second period should be going. I was thinking you score one more in the second period, make it 4-1, this game's over. But like, Because you, you give up that goal late in the first period, make it three to one. If the Sabres get another one there. Who knows, man? Getting scary at that point. Right. Because now it's three to two with probably a lot of game left to go. But thankfully, they don't give up a goal in the second period despite that. And the, the period turns by that hit from Nathan McKinnon on yes. Jeff Skinner. And, and unfortunately, Jeff Skinner did get pretty fucked up on this play. Yeah. Uh, did they ever, is it just upper body? Did they say anything else? Just he's upper body? I, he's IR. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a clean hit. Yeah, it's clean, clean hit. And he hit him hard enough to basically get him from the edge of the circle into the boards. Yeah. Right in the chest. You can't call it boarding. You can't call it anything. It's just good physical hockey, but unfortunate for, for Jeff Skinner to get hurt on the play. But the entire game changed yes. after that. I mean, Buffalo had 15 shots in a row. At that point, Prozvatov had to hold the fort. Who got the start in this game? Like we were talking about last episode, that he he might get that start against Buffalo. But you also had Tuck hit a post, and you had one that th- – am I remembering one right where one almost got through Prozvatov and Malinsky kind of pushed it back underneath him? My vaguely. Favorite. I remember that vaguely. Yeah. Or Malinsky. Oh, yeah. yeah, that definitely happened. That definitely yeah. happened, yes. Great play by Malinsky to keep that puck out of the net. And then you have that hit from Nathan McKinnon and then they start to ramp it up towards the end and in the third period they they destroyed them like there was it was not a game hey everybody hope you've been enjoying this episode so far interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook football is back in full swing with another week of epic games and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. Not a game. Uh, it gets coincided with Malinsky's first goal. I was so confused when he scored it because from my angle of my seats, it looked like I, there wasn't a player there. And I thought Johansson had scored originally. And I was like, he's a very mild reaction. And then you realize it's Sam Malinsky, and then the kicks in that, oh, that's his first initial goal. And it was an absolute fucking howitzer of a shot. 
Oh my God. Sam Malinsky in his very short NHL career, this has very clearly been his best game. He was, he was arguably the best player in the game. Yes. I mean, he was the first star. You look at his game score. He was the highest rated player. It's very easy to make that argument. And for him with Sam Gerrard out of the lineup, he's come in and done that. He's done Sam Gerrard's job, not to a T, but pretty close to it, especially for a 25 year. Like they're not that far off in age. Which no, is they really are. That's what still strange. throws me off. I was told my sister, I was like, you want to hear something funny? Malinsky's 25 and he's a rookie and Byram's 23. And this is his third year in the league. Right. <laughs> like, make it make sense. Right. And like for Sam Malinsky, he's already pretty mature as a guy, 25 yes. and pretty much older than a lot of the rookies on this team. All of the rookies on yes. this team spent a lot of time at Cornell and Ivy League University, you know, probably a pretty smart dude as well. And again, just killed it in this game. Has that beautiful takeaway from EJ in the first period. Just keeps the puck out of the net and puts it underneath Prozvatov. And again, this beautiful play, this beautiful slap shot. And even the stuff that doesn't go down on the highlights, that he looked confident. He was skating around the neutral zone. Like he, There were times where he looked a little like Kale McCarr out there with the way he was skating. Like not one-to-one but he's got a little bit of that movement in him with the way he he handles the puck on the blue line the way he smoothly skates around the middle this is the kind of player where no matter how you feel about the abs management this is the kind of thing where this is a perfect system fit i don't know if sam malinsky would be that good in a chicago san jose where you see a game like this well i mean he'd be in a lot more he'd be in a role where he wasn't being sheltered Right, I, I think that, but also that. in a role that I don't think plays to his strengths. Correct. The Avs defensive system plays to Sam Malinsky's strengths perfectly. Skating, transition defense, those are the things that he does really well, and that's what the Avs thrive on. And the fact that they were able to identify this guy at 25 years old as a college free agent, that's great work from them. And he's improved a lot from training camp. Like Remember watching those rookie camp games and those training camp games he just he didn't look comfortable he yeah. looked like he was fighting himself and they, they're still giving him a shot they let him play a little bit in the ahl this season really get his legs under him he was fantastic he comes up to the big club and looks like a much different player playing against better competition than he did in the preseason and for as long as gerard's out of the lineup it's gonna be really hard to take Malinsky out very hard. He, he's confidence is the most. It should be an illegal drug if you think about it in the NHL because it is that much of a performance enhancer for players. We've seen it with Miko. His confidence the past two games. He has goals in the past two games. Malinsky has looked great ever since. Like I want to say, like two weeks ago. I think he really started to turn the corner. So he was great in this game. Very much deserving of the first star. And hopefully this con- confidence continues to grow. I don't think we should expect for him to go much higher than this because he is 25. Like he's probably going to be the player that he is right now. But again, like you said, just great identification by the abs front office to get this guy as a college free agent. And it just makes you wonder how some of these guys go undrafted. Like how did someone not throw like a seventh round waiver pick on this guy? Yeah. I mean, it's the guy who's stuck at Cornell for the last couple of seasons 25 years old, sticks through most of college. And it's just the Avs scouting staff 
They go and they find a guy like this. And I'm pretty sure some teams gave him some offers again. Oh, 100% the they did. Chicago's and the San Jose's of the world. But got to give credit to Sam Malinsky as well to being like, hmm, I can choose where I go. I don't have to play for Chicago if I don't sure. want to. I can go to the Avalanche, a team that plays a lot like my style and wins and has won a cup recently. Pretty smart decision from him, and now he's getting pretty solid playing time. And I've I've much preferred him to Caleb Jones, who I think is his direct competition at the yeah, moment. I mean, I, I feel confident with Caleb Jones being in there too. Like we we do have some good demon depth that is qual. Like I think Caleb Jones in a pinch can play for an extended period of time if you need him to. Yeah, Sam Malinsky has proven that he can play with the regulars. And Jack Johnson has been good so far. Josh Manson's been dinged up, but he's been good so far. Uh, everyone's kind of filling in the shoes of what Sam Gerrard left. And I, I think the decor as a whole, you could honestly make the case that the most inconsistent one out of them right now is Kale McCarr. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about Kale McCarr in a minute because he played 17 minutes in this game and missed a lot of it. And pretty much like from like 13 minutes on in the second period. No, it was the first period he missed. He missed he at the end of the first period he went out because the abs had a power play and it was like, why is Devon Taves out there? Right. And then it was Bo and Sam Malinsky. So he missed a good chunk of the game. Right. And we'll we'll talk about that more in a minute. But finishing up on Malinsky, he was just brilliant in this game. I want to see more of what he can do for the rest of this season. And just again, great identification from the Av scouting staff. And they they handled him well this season. He he did not earn a spot out of training camp. Did not play that well. And he still sticks around the AHL, earns himself a job, and now has done everything that he can do to now you trust him more than, I think, Caleb Jones right yes. now. I think he's just plays a little bit more of how we like to play. Makes mistakes. Definitely makes mistakes. He's good for treating the puck like a live grenade a couple times a game still. A couple, yes. Yeah, he's <laughs> played seven games in the NHL. You're, you're going to have to give him some time to get over that. But he's been getting better. Every single time he's on the ice and now that he has a goal. Now he's got like respectable NHL stats. I want, I want to see what he can do with that. I do too. I do too. So any other thoughts about the game as a whole, the abs end up winning five, one, it, it, it ends up being kind of a blowout, which I think this team needed finish the homestand three and two, which considering how they were one and two at one point, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. So, still not the greatest homestand, but you turn it around. And yeah. yeah, you set up a game against the Jets, which is you got to show up for that game. Yeah. yeah and you, you, again, you finish off this game 5 1. The other one went to Nachushkin, his 100th goal, McKinnon's 800th point in the HL. It's a lot of fucking points, man. We're, we're only 200 points away from talking about Nathan McKinnon joining the 1000 club, which it seems like because McKinnon's prime really started in what, 2016? Yeah. Pretty, pretty much the year after we sucked. Yeah, so seven years, he has 800 points, essentially. I know he started in 13, but he became the Nathan McKinnon we know in, in this time. So, yeah, th this run has been pretty incredible. At this pace, he should be at, what, 1,000 by next two years? Pretty much, yeah. Like, we're, we're going to be on watch for it before we know it. That's crazy to think about. Like a thousand is nothing to sneeze at. I know McDavid makes it look super easy because McDavid's probably <laughs> hit that at like what five hundred fifty games. Yeah. 
Uh, It's going to be ridiculous. There's going to be a lot of thousand point scores coming up here soon. That's just the league's super fucking good right now. But that's going to be really cool to see when that happens. I think he'd be the second Av to ever get to a thousand points because it was Sackick. Forsberg didn't do it. Yeah, it'd be McKinnon and Sackick. Yeah, as Avs, pretty short list. So that'll be cool to see. Yeah, that was a great play by McKinnon setting up Val. No one in the arena knew that puck went in. Oh yeah, that, I was struck by that right away. I thought the puck didn't go in on TV because nobody reacted to it. No one knew. No one knew. It was so. It was weird. But then when it went in, you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. And Val has 100 goals for a guy who was written off three years ago to hit that milestone. It's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, for a guy who in recent memory finished a season with zero goals in 57 games has now parlayed that. I mean, how many goals did he have before the abs? So you can do the math really quick. He had 23 goals with the Stars. A lot more than I thought he did. Rookie season, he had 14 goals Mm. with the Stars. And then he had nine and 79 games, goes back to the KHL, comes back, has zero. And then since then, has scored all of those with the Avs. I mean, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good player. Pretty solid player. So, yeah, overall, Avs kicked ass in that game. They needed to kick ass. Eric Johnson, I love you. Ivan Prozvatov. Solid yeah, dude. I, what, what do you do now? Do you start Prozatov again in Winnipeg, or do you go back to Georgiev? You, you go back to Georgiev for okay. Winnipeg. You you're lightening his load a little bit. You reward Prozatov for playing well. You yep. the expectations for him were not super high coming into this season. A last second waiver claim for a guy who doesn't have a ton of NHL games, and in his first couple was not that impressive. No, no, he won his first start. Didn't look great while doing so. Had a couple of games where he did not look great, but he's doing exactly what you want for a backup goalie, where you can put him in a game against a team like Buffalo, who's not elite, and the team plays well in front of him, and he gives him a good performance. You know, the, the goal he gives up, the one criticism you can maybe draw is you want him to direct that puck better, but it's a super fast play. Again, it's a young goalie. This is not a veteran guy. This is a guy who's only played a couple of games, and if you can put him in a situation where you can take the load off of Georgiev, you absolutely do it. And he's rewarding you with good play and they're not leaving him out to dry. It's exactly what you want of a backup goalie. He was, he was great in that game and I'm still building the trust with him. I remember I had the same feeling with Francois, like every time he comes in, I don't know what it is. Just like these backup goalies are still professionals. They're really good. But I just always think whenever the other team shoots, it's going to be a goal. Just because right. it's a backup goalie. I don't know why I think that way, but that's just how I think. So he's building the trust with me. And he was really good in this game. Got helped by a post or two. And overall, I thought he was really good. He looks more comfortable in the net. Like yeah. he's moving better in the net, which we talked about after his first game. I mean, he, I also didn't consider this. It's like Prozvatov in his first start had not really played since like March. Right. He did not play in the preseason in Arizona. I did not know that. And then he comes here and did not play for the entire month of October. His first game against the Blues, his first couple of games was the first action he'd seen in a while. And now now he's played nine games on the season. And now, shocker, he looks a lot better. He looks a lot better. Yeah, that's true. So I I think that sets up now this game tonight, by the time you listen to this, with Georgiev and Neg against the Jets, he has to have a good performance in this game. Because now now you're getting down to it where – you really can't do anything else for him right now because nope. you've given him breaks. You have a backup goalie who is still able to win you games. You, If your defense plays well in front of him, he needs to have a good night. You've had a game against the Jets where he wasn't terrible, but he got out-dueled 
by Hellebuck. You know, Connor Hellebuck's a pretty good goalie, but if you're going up against the Jets in the playoff series, you j- you got to be better than him at the you end. Got to be day. better. And you're at the point in the season we started talking about it last time, where the sample size is starting to get big enough, where you look at it and say that's not good enough. And it, it's going to be a very big game for him. I, it's just so weird because I think Georgiev's brain is just wired differently. I think in his world, he would have loved to just keep playing through these struggles and maybe giving him time off isn't the best thing. I, I don't know. We'll have to find out tonight by the time you're listening to this, what's going to happen to him. I think he's going to play well, but the Jets are a, just a good hockey team. This isn't like a, a crazy start. They're just a good hockey team. Yeah, they're a good genuinely good hockey team that is going to make the playoffs and is, is going to finish top three in the division. Yes. And unless the abs and, or the stars really go on some streaks and pull away from them, they're going to be in contention for division. The they're going to be in contention the season. It is concerning what's going on with Kyle Connor. He's out six to eight weeks. That does yeah, that suck. Sucks. That hurts them a lot. That hurts, but they're still a very good team and you got to find a way to win this game. You already lost one on home ice against them. You can't fall down two to them because uh, they're two points behind us and they have two games in hand. Yeah, you, you got to go into their building and go even the score. I mean, this kind of feels like the way it usually goes against the Jets where they win the early games and will go and win the later games. But I'd really like to march into Winnipeg in this game. Take the momentum that you got from winning that Flames game in the manner that you did and winning the Sabres game as comfortably as you did and taking on a a big challenge in a division rival in their building, a team that beat you recently and returning the favor. I think that'd be a great confidence boost for this team. And then all of a sudden you're at three in a row and all of a sudden how quickly things change. Yep. Let's change the moving team. Um, we'll talk, we should talk about it too. Kale McCarr. He flow, he flew with the team, both him and Manson missed practice today. It's obvious that he's fighting something. Something's bugging him. At this point in the season, I think we're both on the same page. I would much rather have Kale McCarr sit out for a week and get fully healthy than play through this and make it worse. Yeah, I I am fully on board with if you're not 100% because he's I don't think even he's at 80%, probably hovering more around 60-70%. That's not worth it. I Kale McCarr is good and even him at 75% is better than most people in the league, but these regular season games that none of them are ever going to mean more than having Kale McCarr at right. 90, 100% when the playoffs roll around. Like, I'm always going to be in favor. If this guy's not playing 100%, there is no point in this. It is better to rest him and genuinely challenge the rest of the team to make up for in his absence and force them to elevate their play and let Kale McCarr get healthy because he has not been healthy since late October. He still had the month of November that he had not healthy, but there were definitely points where you could see that that extra step was not there. He just has so much talent that doesn't matter. But now he's taking a couple extra dings and is starting to add up. And you're starting to see him miss practices and miss games and step out and come back during games like this. This whole rigmarole, I'm not on board with it. Sit him out. Let him get healthy. It's not worth injuring him further. No, I agree. He's going to play against the Jets. I can guarantee you that. But I would, honestly, if he plays against the Jets and then sits out against the Sharks, I'm cool with that. 
but it's just like that you're nickel and diming an injury. And like, that's not how muscles work. You no. muscles need to heal and sitting it out for a game. Like, okay, it's going to hurt less, I guess, but it's <laughs> ultimately not going to do anything. That's true. That's true. We'll have to see, but I, I can promise you he's going to play tomorrow. I believe you. I'm, I, I agree with you. I just, for right for mid regular season, if this was the home stretch, I'd get it. But we're talking like we're getting to the game. It's December the season. Like we're we're starting to hit the oh my god, we're not even at the halfway point yeah. of the season right now. The team will struggle without Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, even when hurt, can probably still put up two, maybe three points a game. And yes, not yes. having him in the lineup, especially on the power play, is going to hurt this team a lot. But I can guarantee you, it will hurt a lot more when March and April rolls around, and he's still at seventy percent. And other teams go and take advantage of that. When you're in a seven-game playoff series, I'm going to go back to this every single time. When you're in a seven-game playoff series, first, second, third round, say against the Stars in the second round, you're getting late into that series and everyone's banged up and super hurt and Kale McCarr's already had a head start on being hurt. And then Jason Robertson, who is just a little bit fresher, is able to get around him and that's the difference. That stuff matters a lot. And that's what you're going to remember about this season more than winning game 35. True. True. We'll have to see though. Um, quick prediction for this Jets game. I think they win in overtime. I think it's going to be a really close, fun game, really competitive game. Honestly, I would not be surprised if it's a low scoring game. I think the Avs are going to win it three to two. And after everything I just said about Kale, he's going to win it. Yeah. I think the Avs win it four one. I regular. like that too. I think, I think, I think the, the Jets are, has a big game. I like that too. I think your is going to have a great night. I think it's probably going to be, around 30 to 35 shots a piece. He's still going to finish with an above 900 save percentage, but the Jets are talented. They've got really good players and they've got Connor Hellebuck in net. They've figured out a lot of things and they've got, they've got a really good team camaraderie going on right now, which I don't think they've had for a long time. They haven't had for a long time. Blake Wheeler leaves and everyone likes each other again. Yeah. I think the difference in this game is last time these teams played, if I'm not wrong, Miko and Mac were in the middle of their, their slumps, right? McKinnon. I think that was the game he, got back going again if i'm remembering it going or was the game after he got back yeah, going? i can't remember rantanen was terrible yes and the avs killed themselves they made yeah. so many mistakes and gave that game to the jets if they play better they will win that's what i'm saying and i, I think they will and I, I think we see a mckinnon and miko masterclass in this game uh i know the jets defense looks better i don't think they are going to be able to compete with mckinnon and ranch no. right now it's, that, that, the way they're playing the the bar for the Jets defense is below ground. Like yes. that thing is passable for the first time. And Connor Hellebuck is like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> 30 shots instead of 40. I'm only facing 10 high danger scoring chances, not 20. I know. This is ridiculous. And Connor Hellebuck, he's he's been great this season. He's been genuinely really good for them. And the Jets, they're a really solid team. And moving on from Dubois and getting the the depth that they got in return has been a big help for them yes and again i don't like that they're good but i i respect what they've done and it's going, it's going to be a good game that i think the abs are just going to get by in that yes. it's both going to work hard as long as the abs don't make stupid mistakes and turn it over and take advantage of their chances they're going to win a, a pretty tough going to need some character road game i agree and then that sets up uh the trap game of all trap games the they're San fucked. Jose Sharks. They're fucked. The very next game. They're fucked. That game, yeah. they're going to lose. 
the Avs are going to lose to the Sharks. Everyone just prepare for that, especially if they go into Winnipeg and look really good and win that game. They will follow that up by getting the shit kicked out of them by the Sharks. Oh, no, they won't get the shit kicked out of them. It will be a genuinely heartbreaking loss. Oh, you think it's going to be heartbreaking? The Sharks team just beat the Jets 2-1. to True. And they their last several games, the Sharks, ever since they lost 3 nothing to Boston, they beat New Jersey 6-3. to They just lost the Rangers 6-5 to in regulation. They came back from 4-1 to down the third period to beat the Islanders. They came back from 4 nothing down the second period to beat the Red Wings 6-5. to They scored two goals in the final three minutes to go to a shootout and lose against Vegas. And then they beat Winnipeg four to one or two to one on Tuesday, and oh, I, I I didn't even know they played Arizona today. I no, oh, yeah, they're losing right now, aren't they? I think, I think it's over. They lost one nothing, but oh, it's over. Okay, yeah, I had no idea that game was huh. happening at all. I'm seeing that for the first time, so that kind of stomps on my point. But regardless, trap game of all trap games, the Sharks are just I I, I love them. I've got such a soft spot for them right now. I'm like. Half joking when I say the Avs are going to lose this game. They should not lose this they game. They should, but they will. They will. But the Sharks are just kind of like that right yeah. now. So We saw the game already this year, and that was the bad Sharks, and it, would, it took the Avs. <laughs> I mean, it was a Herculean game for Mackenzie Black. Yes. But it, it's very funny. We're making jokes about it because obviously we hope the Avs win, but there is a very real possibility they lose that oh, game. Oh, it's a like the if they win that game against the Jets on the road, coming back home, like, oh, dude, we're playing the Sharks tonight? Awesome. And then they're yeah. going to get pumped. They're going to get pumped. So we'll have to prepare. Uh, regardless of what we just said, my prediction for that game, um, I think the Avs win it. I think they go big again. I think they went 6-1. I'm not going to go that much. I'll I'll say 4-2. to two. Yeah, I want – if we did graphics for this, I want an asterisk put by it that if the Avs win in Winnipeg, I want my score to change. Yes. If they lose in Winnipeg, they could kick the shit out of the Sharks on Sunday. We're also, really we're also just completely covering all angles. Yes. Game, no matter what, by saying they're going to lose, but also making our score predictions that they're going to win. Right. So no matter what, we're right. So you can't yell at us. That's, that's a radio tip right there for you, kids. Yep. That's all you got to do. Except kids listen to the show. It's like people our age listen to it. Yeah, you, if you're a kid, you should not be listening to this because yeah, we're ruining your sense of hockey. We should, yeah, um, and also fuck like yeah, we do say that word a lot. We do. Um, I don't think I have anything else about these games. The EJ tribute, anything else? I know we have a couple mailbags, so let's quickly because we're well over an hour at this point. Yeah, I'm having a good time though. So I'm having a great let's, time. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Uh, if we, if we want to talk about the Blues and Greg Berube and Jordan Cairo, we can do did that. Did you want to do that first, or do you want to do mailbag? I like to save mailbag for last. So All right. Let's let's do a few minutes on okay. the Blues right now because this caught me a little off guard. I think so, it caught everyone off guard. Yeah, because I kind of stopped paying attention to the Blues for a little while because we don't really have to deal with them at all coming up. For a minute. And I did not realize they were on a four-game losing streak. And lost to Vegas, lost to Columbus and Chicago on back-to-back nights. That's not good. And then they lose 6-4 Detroit. And Craig Berube, the man that won them the Stanley Cup in 2019, is canned. Out the door. And a lot of Blues fans are not happy about that. Doug Armstrong, still the general manager. And let's be honest, this is his fault. Correct. He's a bad team. 
and he gave Jordan Bennington that money and all those defensemen that money. And Craig Berube finally gets the can, which is like, okay, coaches get fired after bad performances. The team hasn't done much in the last season and a half. Okay, that's fine. So they asked Jordan Cairo about that. And he says, uh, I have no comment. He's not my coach anymore. And Blues fans did not like that answer at all. They were trashing him online. And then in this game against the Senators yesterday that they won 4-2, to two, Jordan Cairo was getting booed for that. Which, that seems a little dramatic. We're talking about Blues fans here, Griffin. Remember that. Yeah, I'm... You know, and it's also worth mentioning, like, Kairou seemed like he was holding back tears after yeah. the game and saying, like, oh, he doesn't like being booed and everything, which only increased their vitriol towards him more. Like, Correct. Fucking crybaby, trade him. I just, I don't know if Blues fans are very bright. No. And I know uh, that's mean, but that's every time something with Blues and Blues fans happen, I'm sorry. This is the same thing I think every single time. It's like, I just don't know. There's some of them that are smart. This is not every single one of them. No. There's a majority of this fan base that is just not all there. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things with Kairou. That was a tough press conference to watch. Um, regardless of how you feel about it, like he is a human being. Uh, I don't think he should have been getting booed for that reason. He didn't um, say fuck that guy. I hate yeah. guts. I can't. I'm so happy he's gone. He said no comment because he probably didn't have something nice to say. What do you right. want to say? Right. He did the right media thing. Um, it just goes back to the point where we're always asking hockey players to be their more authentic selves. And Kyrou was authentic in that moment. Um, was he? Just, he said no comment. He yeah. Said, like he. It's just a weird thing. Like, I get loving a coach. I get that. But you're pointing your hate at someone wrong. They should be booing Doug Armstrong, like you said. It's not Barube's fault. It's not Kairou's fault. It it, it was a tough thing to watch. I get it. You can boo him if you want. I just think it was a little dramatic. Like, he's he's still a young kid. You're adding more drama that doesn't need to exist. And right, now, like he it, shouldn't have to come on after a game where they won and basically be sorry for saying no comment. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that I didn't tell you how I feel. You want me to give you a reason to boo? I'll tell you what I think of Craig Baruch. Yeah, like but. it's it's tough. I I felt like it was very. I feel like St. Louis fans were just mad at the fact that their team is exactly what we said they were going to be, which was 500. Yeah, and I honestly think Barube was doing a damn good job coaching them because that team's not very good. They're really not. I mean, he's not. He wasn't doing a bad job. You can't look at that roster and say that's the coach's fault. You can yeah. probably look at that roster and say, "Wow, they're five hundred. That's pretty impressive." Um, so I think that's what more f- the fans are mad at, and they can't boo Doug Armstrong because he's not on the ice every night, and Cairo right. just kind of poured yeah, gas. Cairo took fire. all of the gunfire, correct, with Doug Armstrong. But also, this is one of your guys that you're paying a lot of money. Yes. And probably not a bad idea or probably a bad idea to make him start questioning, why am I doing this again? Yeah. And it's just going to be really weird because the next home game they play, you know, he's going to get a standing ovation. Right. Like, I, I, it's it's just a weird because like that, that doesn't just go away. Like he's going to have a big game. He's going to get a round of applause. You can't unboo him, though. Right. Right. It's different if you're booing the whole team. Right. Like if you're booing the whole team when they leave the ice, yeah, totally fine. I'm not going to tell fans how to cheer. 
but booing one player directing it at one guy in a game you win for something that i read and i immediately said wow this is getting blown out of proportion he said no comment so which is probably because i don't know i just thought the whole thing was silly and then they're booing him i'm like you really shouldn't be doing that like not that i'm telling anyone what to do or like i'm morally superior it's like he's still here right he's gonna be here for a long time didn't that extension just kick in last year and it was eight years yeah, it's uh, this is year one of the contract for eight years at eight point one two five. He's not exactly living up to it. I will get. No. He's got five goals on the year. You know, Jordan pick up the pace, but we really don't want to be starting this year one with Jordan yeah. Cairo. And based on everything I've seen with Kim and Craig Barube, I don't think they always saw eye to eye. No, so it's not really anyone else's business how their relationship was. And that's what Kairu did. He said no comments. So yeah, what would it have been if he just came out and said like, "I didn't think Barupe played me the right way." Like, what would their reaction have been? Well, probably the same. Probably booing him. It's just it it it, it was a weird weird situation. Yeah. Like, I I'm not gonna crush crush the guy for crying at a press conference. I've never been booed by sixteen thousand people. I can't imagine it feels too great. So I would probably have the same type of reaction. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a certain line where it's like, "Oh, this guy makes eight million bucks. What are you crying about?" Like, the, so where does that stop? Like, how yeah. much money do you have to make before you can no longer feel emotions? Right. Like, I couldn't imagine being booed by sixteen thousand people. I think that would throw me off my uh, mental. Right. Sense. I'd be like, "What the fuck, man? This yeah, sucks." Oh, but my paycheck's big. I'm sorry. Right. I'm supposed to be like the money adds uh, defense for your emotions. But like if, if he said, if he did act like that and was just like, oh, I make a bunch of money. I don't need to feel anything. Wouldn't that <laughs> kind Correct. of make him feel like an asshole? <laughs> Correct. There's, like, no win- there's no winning. Like there's, there's just no winning. winning. Like I feel bad for Jordan Cairo. Um, Blues fans are are dumb. Kind of like we, we already knew going yeah. into this. Like it, they're just kind of overreact and freak out a little bit so lose fans never can you imagine if they never won that cup in 2019 how different this franchise would be it'd be a lot more humble i'll tell you that it'd be a lot more humble they probably wouldn't if they don't win that cup they probably don't re-sign bennington for as big as they did they're probably actually in a better spot if they don't win that cup. they're probably in a better spot to still not win any cups true you know true just how different the league would be That'd be cool. Yeah. Nah, out. But I, we, we are well over time at this point. So I do want to get to our mailbag questions and right away, right on topic. I like this question. Who is your least favorite fan base in any sport sent by real name? Thank you. Real name. We appreciate mm. it. Um, this is in no way pointed at anyone. Baltimore Ravens fans are the worst. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, it's okay. I'm not a fan. I'm an employee. Yeah. Um, that's tough. I have like a least favorite fan base for like every sport and college sport, but if we're just keeping it in hockey, probably Vegas fans. I think that's I think that's fair. I think for me, least favorite fan base. Because there's a lot of personal feeling that goes into right. That. So I feel like my perception of wild fans are warped. I feel like my perception of blues fans is pretty accurate. 
honestly. Well, but, dude, that's the problem with the NHL is like half the teams you could say I hate their fan base. Right. And it's like it's not a fan base thing. It's just people suck everywhere. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna pick the NHL answer and then my number one in any sport. Okay, answer. you do yours in the NHL. It's the Oilers. The Oilers fans are unnecessarily arrogant, and they're not funny at all. Some fan bases are annoying and funny. I have very... I don't think I have an Oilers account that I find funny at all. I have never seen any of them make good, funny content. They're all just smug, arrogant pricks. (laughs) They just always rub me the wrong way they always feel so super entitled like at least leafs fans are funny sometimes i feel yeah. like there's a bunch of canadian teams that have well is that leafs fans are funny or is it steve dangle really softens them up there's a there's a couple of leafs accounts out there some of my favorite twitter accounts are just straight up leafs fans okay that right. much failure brings out some humor wild mm-hmm. fans blues fans there are at least a couple of people that are like respectable individuals. I don't know what it is about Edmonton, but you guys got to figure it out. And my yeah. real answer, I don't know if anyone's going to see this coming. It is the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I was going to guess that. Yeah. I was going to guess it. I have never seen a less successful franchise act so entitled in my life. Yeah. These motherfuckers do not know football. Well, here's all. the thing. Cincinnati, and then my least favorite fan base of all time, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Columbus and Cincinnati are just right there. Um, So it's just a bunch of idiots who live in that part of the state. And if you're a listener from that part of the state, we love you. But I think you'd agree. We like you. Yes. We like you. Yes. Personally. But that section of Ohio, I think, breeds the stupidest and most, like, they will rub it in your face when they win, and then give you nothing but excuses when they lose it that is exactly it yeah. so over the last two seasons the ravens have played the Bengals five times and they've won three of them they lost two of them they lost the playoff game and just as a quick example because i don't want to spend a ton of time on this, <laughs> the ravens in the playoffs last year they lose to the Bengals with tyler huntley and a bunch of injuries and that obviously that fumble return that got ran all the way back and you do not hear the end of it for the entire offseason. And then the Ravens, they go into Cincinnati and they win the, the game in week two. Oh, Burrow's calf was hurt. It doesn't count. His calf was hurt. And then Burrow like snaps his wrist in that game in a couple of weeks ago at this they point. They still need to be investigated football. for a federal crime for that. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think they got cleared for that one at least. Bullshit. But he gets hurt in the second quarter in a game they're winning by three points. And the entire rest of the game, according to Bengals fans, is invalidated. They lost 34 to 21 or 34 to 20. And their defense sucked from that point on. But because Joe Burrow got hurt, that game no longer counts. And you would think this franchise has won six Super Bowls. They've been to one. No, and no, they've six. been to like three. Okay, but like three one recently. They've lost all. Right. They've lost all of them. They went to one recently and they lost it. And they talk about it like they want, dude. That, but did you know they beat the Chiefs that one time? I'm sick of them. I'm moving on. But yeah. anyway, yeah, I mean, it's just basically that part of Ohio is just idiots. And it, for those of you you've noticed, if you listen to the show, I'm a big Michigan Wolverines fan. Pretty much, me and the state of Ohio don't get along, just because they're a bunch of fucking idiots down there. Um, 
yeah, you're basically in a beef with like all of Ohio because you have the Browns in there too. I have less beef with Browns fans. They've suffered enough. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. like, I don't like the, I, okay, I want to make this clear. I dislike the Steelers more than the Bengals, but there is a somewhat of a mutual respect between both franchises, the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah, it's like for, the handshake meme. Yeah, for beating the dog shit out of each other for 15 years. And for the Steelers fans that get that, I respect them at least a little bit. I will always hate the Steelers more. I have nothing to say to Bengals fans. <laughs> the Steelers are at least successful in something. The Bengals Ravens can at least say like, hey, we got two Super Bowl rings. How many do you got? Like, you right, can we play have, that we card, have but two nice. Super Bowl rings and you have never at any point been our biggest rival and yet we are all you think about. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. That's how it goes. So yeah, but pretty much that's the state of Ohio in us not, not getting along with the fan bases. Not but I think we went long enough on that one. What's the next one? Yeah. So next one is much like the thing we just talked about. Would it be wise to have Kale McCarr take a week or two off to nurse whatever is ailing him? I'm worried he's pressing through something and it could do him and the team well if he takes some time off to heal back to his normal self. Again, the name thing is completely scuffed on Google Forms right now. I think this is Logan. I'm not sure. Logan, if this is you, thank you for the question. And if it's not, you're great also anyway. So it doesn't matter. But yeah, Yeah, I mean, we kind of answered that. I would much rather have Kale McCarr miss two weeks in December than two weeks in April. Yeah, even if it's a month, you live with it. If it gets him back, I'm just pushing it. I'm pushing it. But if it gets him back to 100% for the important parts of the season, I'd do it. I'd Fair. make a trade. Fair. Fair. I, I, we, we talked for like 20 minutes about that. So I think we, yeah. we can move on. Yeah. I think we answered that question pretty thoroughly before. But moving on to the last question of the day, going back to the Thomas Tatar trade. The I'm sorry, there are seven responses on here and six names, and your name is not on here. I'm sorry. I All don't right. know what's going on with this. Thank you for the question. I'm going to try to figure out a way to fix this because you deserve to have a shout out on here, but there are only six names. It did not update. I'm very sorry. But yeah, after the Tatar trade, are there any other abs regulars that you think are in danger of being traded, Christian? And we talked about it. I'd love to see Johansson get moved, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if I'd love to see him get moved, but if you can upgrade. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. only for an upgrade. I'm not saying just yeah. get rid of him for nothing, but if you can upgrade from him, that'd be great. Um, I do think Curtis could get moved, but he's not really a regular. Even then, I I think Tatar getting moved takes Curtis off the table for the moment because really yeah. you only do that for the cap space. Dude, how cool would it be if Curtis plays second line? That would be awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be that great. So cool. That'd be cool for me. But uh, I don't really think there's anyone else. Like I, I think Duran was probably a hot name at the beginning, but he's played so well recently. I don't think you move him. Even that, even if he wasn't doing well, I don't know if he would get traded. I think that's right. that's a guy that gets put on waivers if he's yeah. Traded. And um, I think the only name on the list is Ryan Johansson. No one else on that offense is getting moved unless it's part of a much bigger deal. Defense, no one there is getting moved. At the moment, they're only going to be adding, like, I think it was Tatar, and it is currently Johansson. And that is a definite if, load-bearing if. Yeah, I I think Tatar was the most obvious answer. I can't think of anyone else I think could be on the trade block. Um, Because everyone, like, Ross Colton's not getting moved. Miles Wood isn't getting moved. Logan O'Connor's not getting moved. Cogliano's not getting moved. 
I mean, like maybe like one of the guys at the bot. Like I don't know. Do you put a Ben Myers in a deal? Maybe Freddie that? Olsen could be on the block. Maybe I don't think you get much from that. Like that's right. another. Guy and, and that's that's a league minimum contract. Yeah, it's, it's like you're not even moving that for money. You're just doing that as maybe like a contract swap yeah. or something like that. If you're adding multiple players, like maybe Ben Myers because he's young and could be enticing to another team. Maybe. Yeah, like, I don't think there's really anyone else that's going to be on the trade block. Like we should expect to see them get moved. Obviously, right. no one is. Well, there's a couple of players who are safe. They aren't getting moved for sure, but. Is most of the roster. Yeah, I do think that there it would have to be like a big name if any of these guys were getting moved. I don't think any other regulars are getting moved. Yeah, I agree with that. The the guys that are more likely to get moved are guys that are not on the abs. Right. right. You're talking about some eagles, maybe some guys on your reserve list. And you've got more assets to move if you want them for more interesting things. I mean, we're going to have this conversation a lot as we yes. get closer to the trade deadline. But in terms of like guys just getting moved off the team for the sake of getting moved off the team, it's Ryan Johansson, end of list. And Significant gap, next player. Right. And again, Ryan Johansson, they might just stick it out with him yeah. and reevaluate in the offseason. True. Like they don't have to do that right now. If no. they find an upgrade, they'll find a way to do it, but that's not going to be easy. No. Because you're probably talking about sweeteners. You're probably talking about finding a, a team that's willing to take on an extra year of that contract. And then they're going to want retention. And like that, that's a whole thing that's got to be figured out. And if they can figure out a way to do that and make the team better, more well, power to them. Cause no one's going to help you do that. Nope. Not in the middle of the season. Nope. Nope. So we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, that, that's a conversation as we get closer to the trade deadline. But after Tatar, I really don't think there's anyone else in jeopardy of being moved. Yeah. Not at the moment. I it's, it's, Honestly, pretty rare you even see a trade like that sure. mid-season. You see it like a, a couple of those a year, normally yeah. from teams that aren't that good or like up against the cap or things like that. And that's kind of what took place here. You you usually don't see just massive constructions in December. No. So, yeah, I don't think I have anything else, man. No, I, I don't think we should. I think we were, I don't even know when we started. I'm going to put this thing into the editing software and be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we fucked this up. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's good though. I, I had a good show. I feel like we had some fun here. Yeah, and, we, we really recovered from the just idiocy we were doing with the LTIR to start. And yeah, it's really kind of made it there. My brain was still activating. It's the, the Simpsons thing where they haven't used their brain in forever yeah. and the, the dust is still coming out of your ears still adjusting back to podcast mode from <laughs> party mode but i think we had a pretty good one but i've got nothing else to to add to this one so i think we're gonna wrap this one up here thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go out.